So Pastor Corey is really funny because he knows how much I love standing up here. So, um, but as he said, I'm Mike Lewis, and I, I am excited to kick off this series that we're getting uh, ready to start. Uh, relationships are so important, especially when we do life together with other Christians, other believers who can help us strive towards God um, and just live a life that's more effective. And so as we kick this off, uh, this is a series that we actually borrowed some stuff from a sister church, and it's just is, it's really going to be awesome. Um, and so as we dive into this series, Squad, I think one of the things that we really need to talk about first is what we mean when we say your squad. It's not, we're not talking about just casual friendships. We're not talking about necessarily those relationships that you leave at work or you leave at school. They're friends, but they don't necessarily know you deeper than the surface, right? It's great to have those friendships with your friends at school, at work, your neighbors. But what we're going to be talking about is those deep, meaningful relationships. And so one of the verses that just stands out to me is the second half of Proverbs 18.24, which says, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. These are the type of friends that we're going to be talking about. Those friends that you know no matter what your situation is, what time of day it is, what's going on in their life, they're the ones that are going to be there by your side. They're the friends that know you so well, they know what really actually frustrates you and what makes you happy. They're also the ones that know what drives you, what motivates you each day. They're the friends that know your fears, your struggles, and yeah, they even know where you struggle with temptation and sin. They're the friends they would drop anything for you, and you would do the same. They're also the friends that you give permission, whether you say it or you just know, to call you out on areas that you know you need to grow on and be called out on. And so throughout this series, we're going to be talking about those aspects of close friends and how they benefit our lives. But I think before we dive into the benefits that friends bring into our lives, we have to first look at how we are designed for relationship, right? And so to do that, we're going to start at the very beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis and just see how we've been designed from the beginning to be relational. In our series a couple months ago, Imago Day, the image of God, we talked about how each of us are created in God's image. And one of these key areas is that God is relational, and we've been created to be relational as well. And so this can be seen in Genesis 1, 26 to 27, which says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. What stands out to me in this verse is let us make mankind in our image. What's so cool about this is at the very beginning, we get to see the relationship between the Trinity. We get to see God as three persons in one, creating people in his image, working together as the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit to create us and design us. And so we're created to be relational like God. However, our need for relationship and our design to desire and thrive in close-knit friendships doesn't stop there. 
See, Genesis 2 zooms in on the creation account. And it zooms in on the creation of people. And so in Genesis 2, 18 to 24, it says, The Lord said, It's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. So God said, It's not good for man to be alone. On top of us being created in God's image, God also recognized it's not good for us to be alone. And what's interesting to me is throughout the creation account, God creates something and he says, It was good. And then he creates people and says, it is very good. And then all of a sudden we see this contrast in chapter 2 where we see it's not good for people to be alone. See, as we look at our relationships with other people and we talk about this idea of needing relationship, we need to start thinking about what is our view of ourselves and what is our view of God. And I say this because oftentimes, as soon as we think that someone is an expert in something, we give more credit to them. And we listen to their word over ours or somebody else who's not an expert. And see, society tells us that we're experts on ourselves, right? And at first, that sounds really good. I know me better than anybody else can know me. I know what motivates me. I know what I'm going to get upset about. I know what I need. And we have this self-reliant attitude reinforced for us that I can do it because I know me. The problem is, as soon as we think we're the experts on ourselves, that's who we're going to listen to. And so I think, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, you know, I love working on my truck. I'm not an expert by any stretch of the imagination. Actually, I probably know enough just to be dangerous. But I will spend time working on my truck, doing stuff on it. And there are times where I get stuck. And so I'll call up my dad or a friend, and I will ask them for their help on an area that I'm stuck at. Now, when I call up this person, I know they know more than me. And so when they come over to help, there's a strong chance that I'm going to say, okay, whatever you say, let's do that because you know more than I do. However, if I'm just in my driveway working on my truck and somebody comes up and I don't think they know more than I do, right, or I know they don't know as much as I do, I'm going to elevate myself to level of expert and I'm probably going to, as kindly as I can, ignore their advice, right? Because I think I know better, why would I listen to them? See, the problem is, is as soon as we think that we are the experts on ourselves, we are saying that we know more than God does about us. 
but he's the one that has created each of us. And he knows us better than we could ever hope to know ourselves. And so we need to watch this idea of thinking we're the expert. Because I know, I think almost everybody, and I don't necessarily want to speak for everyone, but I know for myself, there's times where I'm like, I don't need other people. I can do it on my own. I don't need somebody right now. I will push through whatever the situation is by myself, right? And that's because I'm thinking that I know what I need. But right here, God's saying it's not good to be alone. And throughout the Bible, we can see so many times where it's the tough situations, it's those situations that we want to be alone, that we actually need somebody else in our life walking beside us. And so as I think about this, we just need to come into squad with this idea, this uh, posture that we're not the experts on ourselves. God is. And on top of being designed for relationships, there's so many benefits to doing life with other people. And so, although throughout the series, we're going to be talking about different aspects of your squad. We're going to be talking about how you can find people and add them to your squad, how you can benefit and bless the people you consider close friends. But today, we're going to actually focus on what close friendship does for you, how it blesses your life. And how it can actually draw you closer to God as you walk with other people. See, the first point in that that I want to talk about is that our squad supports us. And so Pastor Corey earlier today already brought up Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10. Um, but we're going to actually look at 9 through 12. And so if you wanted to read with me, you can. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. I'll be honest, we're going to actually focus in on verse 9 and 10 um, for this part of the message. Um, and in verse 9... The author discusses how when we do work alone, it's not as productive, right, as if we do work with somebody and have help in a situation. And so as I was thinking about this, I went back to the truck scenario. And like I said, I have enough experience to be dangerous. And sometimes silly things happen. And I was working on my truck, and I dropped a spark plug one day into the engine. Now... I'm like panicking because I'm like, I'm going to turn the car on. The spark plug is going to go everywhere and it's not going to be good. I, I don't know how long I spent trying to fish out this spark plug. But I will say my frustration level was increasing. And so to stop it from increasing, I finally decided to call a friend of mine. And they came over. They know more than I do and have more experience. And it felt like five minutes. It might have been like 20. But they had it out like that. And it was done. Here's a situation that if I tried to continue doing this, it would have been probably hours trying to get this out. But because I was able to rely on somebody who knew more, who was a friend of mine to come beside, it went quicker and smoother. Another area that stands out to me with this is, is moving. I don't know about you guys, but I hate when I have to move myself, 
right? Moving houses is usually a pain in the neck. I don't mind helping other people because it's not my stuff I have to move, right? It's not, I don't have to box it up. I don't have to worry about people in my house pushing through different stuff and also how much stuff we have laying around. I don't mind helping, but when I have to move, it's a pain. And a couple years ago, my family and I, we moved to our new house and I called up a few of my friends and they came over and helped move, which is good because we got done quicker and safer. Because oftentimes when we try to do stuff on our own that we shouldn't, we end up getting injured or causing more damage. And there are things when you're moving that you should not lift by yourself. Um, and I can be stubborn and do it anyway, and this time I decided not to, and it was productive. We got done much faster, much safer, and all our stuff stayed intact, um, which is awesome. So verse 10, though, continues this idea of physical support, of how our squad can support us, right? And so in verse 10, the author is talking about how it's so important to have somebody who can help pick you up when you fall. Now, the context of this was basically having a companion to journey around with you. Because when this proverb was written, journeying, there were pits in the ground that people basically used for hunting, okay? And what he's really saying is if you fell in a pit and you were by yourself, it's not going to be good, right? But if you have somebody with you who can help you up, it will be much better. You'll be blessed. You'll be able to get where you're going because you have that support. I love the imagery of this verse because I think we can all picture a time that we've either physically fallen or seen someone physically fall where they've been needed somebody else to lift them up, right? Actually, one of my most embarrassing teaching memories, which I will share here for everybody to hear, has to do with falling. I actually have one of my students who I think remembers it, smiling at me. And so I loved playing sports with my students. And let me tell you, if you ever want to feel athletic, become an elementary school teacher. Because I am not athletic, but I can beat sixth graders at almost any sport. And so, but this is not one of those awesome stories. This is actually the time where I I looked ridiculous. I'm playing basketball, which is probably my least favorite sport to play, and I have the least amount of skill. And I can't tell you why I decided to jump at one point, but I did. And as I came down, my foot didn't communicate correctly with the ground, and I rolled it, and I felt a pop. And as it popped, I proceeded to follow it to the ground, and in the end, it was a pretty good sprain. My foot was shades of different colors, and I could have by myself made it to the nurse's office, which I had had to go. I could have hobbled down, but luckily I had two students who were willing to, again, here's the embarrassing stuff, basically carry me to the nurse's office, okay? So I have one student under one arm, another under other, and I'm hobbling to the nurse's office, and and it gets better because school protocol is you're not allowed to walk as a teacher if you're like this. So I had to have the principal wheel me up to my, my room and then back out to the car where Tania had to take me for x-rays. It's a super stellar moment in my life at that point. But could I have made it to the nurse's office? Could I have made it to my classroom and back to the car? I could have. 
But the journey would have been a lot harder, a lot more difficult, and a lot more painful without having people come alongside me. See, when we get stubborn and do it on our own, we miss out on those having that support that not only supports us physically, but also builds us up on the inside to have people willing to help out. I think everybody has had a tough year, 2020, 2021, right? Isolation, um, all sorts of difficulties. And I'll, I'll be honest, I was encouraged at different points when we had to quarantine for whatever reason, having friends who were willing to put their schedule aside and, or whatever to make sure that we had what we needed. And I know many other people experienced the same. Our squad just makes our life better. And that although these verses are talking about some physical matters, really when it comes down to it, we can apply this to emotional struggles, spiritual struggles as well. You know, sometimes life just doesn't go how we want it to go, right? Sometimes stuff just builds up and it, ta- it makes us feel like we fell into an emotional or spiritual pit, right? And when we do it alone, we feel lost there. But when we do it with others, it allows somebody to reach in and at least offer a hand out. I know there was a time where I was just struggling. I felt like the world was caving in, life was spiraling, and I remember sitting on the couch with my family, my wife and two little little girls watching TV, and I just felt like overwhelmed. And in that moment, I, my phone went off and a friend texted me and said, hey, how are you doing? Now, this wasn't just coincidence. My wife did actually reach out to him, right? But within moments of my wife reaching out to him saying, Mike's struggling, please reach out. He was texting me. And as we were texting back and forth, it didn't last very long because I wasn't at the point where I really wanted to talk about it. And so I told him, I, I don't, I don't really want to talk right now. And he didn't push. But the next day, I got a text from him saying, praying for you today. That's all it said, right? Because our squad knows that sometimes we're not going to accept their hand out of the pit, right? But the best thing that they can do for us in those moments is to pray for us. Because although they can't help us, They know who can. And so that is one of the most meaningful things. I'll be honest, I get nervous coming up here. I kind of mentioned that. And it was so encouraging. I had people close to me texting me yesterday and today saying, hey, we're praying for you. And just that short phrase and knowing that they're doing it helped move me out of that anxious spot. Still had nerves going though. But But we also have to look at our squads not just for the difficult times. They're not just to help us out. See, they're also there for the times where we need to be called out, where we need to be held accountable, where we need to be sharpened, because our squad sharpens us. A verse that stands out to me is Proverbs 27, 17, which says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. I love this verse. I picture 
a sword being sharpened. I love swords. I love knives. I've always had to think about them, right? And it doesn't just have to be a sword, okay? It, it can be any tool that has a sharp edge. And so the idea of this verse is that basically, as you would sharpen metal, is what people do to each other. Sharpening iron back then, when you use a second piece of iron, it acted as a file. And what it did is it actually shaved pieces of metal off of the blade, making it sharper. And as the blade got sharper, it was able to fulfill its purpose for what it was to be used for. And see, when it's dull, it could not do what it was designed to do. When we walk in life with friendships, deep friendships who know us and know how to push us, it helps file off the areas in our life that are making us not as effective. And that can be in areas of you know, our walk with, with the Lord. It can be in areas of intellectual or, or spiritual or emotional areas. When we're challenged by others who love and care for us, parts of us can be shaved off that are, causing, are hindering us from doing what we need to do. I think of, in my life, I've seen this a lot in different areas of struggle, areas of sin that I struggle with. And I think of a time I was having lunch with one of my best friends. John and I went to college together. He was the best man in my wedding. I was the best man in his wedding. And we have a very candid relationship. And we're sitting and having lunch, and I'm telling him about this situation in my life, and I'm basically blaming everything outside of me, right? People, the situation. I'm painting the picture that I am the victim of this, right? And partway through the conversation, and I forget exactly how he said it, he turns to me and goes, so it hurt your pride, huh? <sighs> yep. He was spot on. That was the issue. My pride was hurt. And so, although I didn't really admit it at that point to him, like I kind of, we kind of skewed around the conversation a little bit. As I reflected later, he was spot on. My pride was hurt. That's what was bothering. And because that was bothering me and because he pointed it out, I'm able to now look at future situations and go, okay, am I being motivated by my pride? Is my pride coming into this area? Because he was willing to risk stepping out and telling me an area that wasn't working in my life, I'm able to look at it and improve. You know, I also think about a time in high school, and I do not know why I thought this was okay. And as a teacher, a former teacher, I even more, I'm like, knucklehead. But I hated doing math homework, so I didn't do it. What I did is I copied my friend's math homework. Okay? It's homework, whatever, who cares, was my mentality, right? And then I had a friend point out, you know you're cheating. And it stood out to me. And I, I'll be honest, I don't know how I responded or if I changed that for the rest of high school. But it's one of those things that has stood out to me for the rest of my life of what areas am I willing to hedge on because it's convenient versus doing what's right and taking the consequence. Both of these friends were willing to speak out on areas they saw that weren't working 
were willing to be that file and hone the edge so that I was more effective, that I was reflecting Jesus better in my life. But our squad doesn't just sharpen us in areas of, of sin and struggle. They also sharpen us in areas of intellectual areas, politics. I'm not going to go into any pol- political issues. But it's always good when we have friends that have different views than us. We might not ever convince each other to believe what the other one believes. But what it does is it challenges and it hones that belief, right? It makes us think, should I really believe this? Should I really live my life this way? And we also see this in our Christian walk. When we have deep conversations about the Bible, about different verses we're reading or concepts, when we talk with people that have differing opinions, it helps us. It either helps us strengthen ours or helps us realize that maybe we need to change something. I had a conversation this week that was really good because it challenged a belief of mine. And now I know that when I get a chance, I'm going to go back and look through what the Bible actually says about it. Because often it's easy to go, well, I think this and it's convenient, but what does the Bible actually say? See, our squad is willing to challenge our beliefs to help hone us and help, us, help make us better. The last point for today is that our squad motivates and encourages us. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 has become one of my favorite verses. And I love it because it's, it's not just this surface level motivation, it's deeper than that. And so Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. So there are so many good pieces in this verse. We could probably spend hours just talking about these two verses. I'm not going to do that though. But there are some points that I think we need to focus on. And the first part is that, that term, let us consider. Really what the author is saying with that phrase is listen up, pay attention, this is important. Right? And he continues this strong argument with the word spur. Because the Greek word that's used for spur is actually often used negatively. Where here it's used positively, it's used as like incite or strongly motivate. It's a very strong word. And so basically the author is saying... Listen, you need to be pushing each other. You need to be motivating each other towards love and good deeds. Towards having this heart of love that our actions flow from that shows Jesus to the world around us. The author continues this saying meeting together, right? Because when we meet together, we can do that. And continues with encourage. But again, this isn't the encourage, pat yourself on the back. This is the encourage, motivate and move forward. Because the day is approaching. And basically what he's saying is there's going to be a time where people need to know Jesus. So do it now. Right? Our squad helps motivate us in the purpose that we're designed for. They help show us what we're gifted in and what God's purpose in our life is. 
what our personal mission for Jesus will look like. They can help push us forward. They can push us out of our comfort zone when we don't want to do things that we're designed to be able to do. That's what our squad does for us. And so as we close today, I really just want to go into two challenges. All right. The first is to think through your squad over the next week. Who are those people that are close to you? And what I want you to do is reach out to at least one of them. Send them a text message, an email, call them, take them out for coffee, and thank them. But be specific. If they're one of the ones that has helped lift you out of a dark time, thank them for that. If they're one that helps sharpen you and calls you out on areas you need to be called out on, thank them for that. Or maybe they're one that has helped just push you forward. It would be great to let them know that and know how much they mean in your life. The second challenge I have is a little more introspective. Take time to think about these different areas that we're blessed by having a squad. And then think, do I have a friend that fills this role? Do I have friends that will hold me accountable? Do I have friends that if life fell apart, I could call on them? And if there's an area that's missing, take time to pray and ask God to bring that person into your life. Because I truly believe that God will do that. Sometimes it takes time, so it might not happen tomorrow. But I think when we desire to do life with other people to serve Jesus, God will bring those people into our lives. And then the second part of that one is you can also seek to add to your squad. And I'm going to unapologetically promote small groups at this point because a great way to add to your squad is to join a small group. Because if you want to find somebody who is pursuing Jesus, that's a great spot to look. I'll tell you this, some of my closest relationships have been strengthened through either joining a small group or serving at church. And so if you're seeing that you're missing something in your squad, those are two areas that you can actively look to add to it. To get people who are like-minded, who will love you, care for you, and love Jesus. So as you go out this week, I, I pray that you have a great week, that God blesses you through, through friendship, and that you have an opportunity to connect with those close to you.